0: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Getting through the week. Beautiful weather out here. I'm gonna talk about it as much as possible because it's finally cooling down, not uh, struggling in that sweltering heat. Although every time I thought that the weather was cooling down, we'd have a hot day where the sun would just penetrate <laughs> through that cooler weather. Uh, but wherever you are, I hope you're enjoying the uh, temperature that the new seasons are affording us. I don't know, whenever the weather starts to get cooler, and it starts to rain a little bit over here. There's something very uh, cleansing or refreshing in it for me, so I welcome that. I like I like symbolism because clearly it's not necessarily truly doing that, but there's something. It also brings me back to the to the East Coast. You know, I, I share about that often. The uh, changing of the weather, the changing of the leaves. There's something very renewing in that for me, um, kind of leading us into the holidays. West Coast, it's interesting. You don't always know that it's holiday season. (laughs) If you're out a lot, you maybe see the decorations. But otherwise, there's not a lot of environmental markers. (laughs) Because again, it always looks the same. But back east, like I said, the leaves change. We get a little snow. Uh, It's darker, longer. Um, I don't know. It's meaningful. I miss it. I miss it. Uh, I thought we could open the show with an interesting (laughs) topic and piece of research. It's either going to go really well or it's going to be... Really corny, and it's basically about things that therapists themselves do when they're having a bad day. Um, hopefully, some of these are helpful, and I'll weigh in on the things I do. Uh, I, you know, I've shared about this before. That one of the things I see in patients that work in my practice, also in my own life, is this idea of transition. And I think we don't necessarily give that enough power and meaning or value, and and it's necessary because as we're trying to go from one of our many identities to another, which carries with it a lot of different uh, embodied states, right? So depending on your job, you might need to present one way. Um, Consistently, maybe even, you know, if you're a, uh, what are they called front facing worker, where maybe you're a barista or you are, I don't know, a flight attendant or someone who just engages the general public, you're going to spend a lot of your day really trying to maintain, I believe a positive demeanor, a smile on your face, and you have to hold that for hours, right? Regardless of what's coming at you. So that's going to be something that's going to impact not just your mood, But also your body, your presence with others, because that can be very draining. And so, coming home from having a day like that, it's going to be very hard for you to maybe shake all of that off and be more authentic or present with your family or friends. I see that also maybe in teachers and professors. You're holding such a space and you're always educating and you're thinking with a certain lens. And then you come home and you. Obviously, don't want to bring that home to your family. As someone who works in mental health, I have my own versions of that. <laughs> you know, people seek my counsel; they 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 work with me so as to um, have more self-reflection and go through some developmental milestones, learn some tips, and get some coaching and some care. Uh, my friends don't necessarily want that. So, all that to say is, we want to really pay attention to our process of transitioning from in and out of different states but whatever it is we might be doing with the the bulk of our day and there's a lot of different ways we do that but that's important for me but i think we can do that in the inverse as well if you're someone who maybe works from home and you have another that comes home whether it's children roommates or a partner you also have to do your own version of that as well greeting them and i talked to couples about that where when someone enters the home excuse me or when someone exits the home you want to kind of honor those transition points but we're really looking at this again from what therapists might say. And so that's something that I, I myself do, you know, when I am seeing clients in the office right now, I'm doing everything telemedicine still, uh, and maybe even, uh, perpetually, I'm not really sure. Uh, I haven't thought that far ahead. I'm kind of enjoying my time at home, but when I'm coming home, I definitely think about that. And I change, that's one of the ways that I really kind of do some, um, transitioning out of my day. And I know the topic is more about what to do when you're having a bad day, but I think that this is relevant because it's also about coming home or moving into the second phase of our life, maybe our hobbies, our downtime, our our family time, and really understanding that those are two distinct phases and we don't necessarily want them to not have any kind of boundary between the two. And so it is about working with our moods. And so when I'm done working, I change my clothing, I take a shower, and I just try to kind of like shake it off and remind myself that, that that phase, that lens is over and I can now transition into these other parts of myself because I definitely relate to different people in my life very differently. It's a different part of myself that I'm kind of um, relating to them from or through or with. Uh, so this is uh, some research looking at what are some things that therapists themselves say they do when they're having a rough day, not to imply that it's not okay to have a rough day. Sometimes all we need to do is just allow it. Right. We don't want to get in the habit of thinking that whenever we feel something that we deem to be bad or wrong, that we have to fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. Because, again, mental health is about letting ourselves feel our feelings and not um, not shaming them and not thinking that we always need to be smiling or happy. That's that toxic positivity that we're desperately trying to get away from. Uh, so let's take a break and when we come back, we'll, we'll dive deep into this. And of course we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop the DMs in our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Head on over there, scroll down, look for the name of the show, click on it, bam, there they are. Um, but the DMs, it's questions, it's topics, things you want us to circle back to recover more. We're always happy to hear from you, whatever you're struggling with, someone else might be as well. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Already we're back and uh, we're, we're trying to learn a few things from some therapists. <laughs> uh, so basically we're looking at things that therapists say they do when they're having a bad day. Now again the disclaimer to this was it's not to imply that you're not allowed to have a bad day. It's not to imply that if you're having a bad day anything needs to be done. It's not to imply that if you're having a bad day the, the work or the goal is to get rid of it you know immediately. We do need to learn how to have some comfort and confidence in Feeling all the different feelings that we can have, and kind of letting them be with us. I, I do tell some people um, that often, if we're having a great day, we're feeling happy about something, we we have to go off and do some grocery shopping. If we're having a hard day, we have to go off and do some grocery shopping. We don't want our feelings or moods to necessarily have to always redirect our day, which it's okay to do as well if those days emerge as well, where you're having a day or two or three or a week where things are feeling harder and you want to kind of stay home and take care of yourself. That's completely appropriate. But I also want to remind individuals that if we hold our mood lightly, sometimes it's more of a wave where it crashes and it subsides. Sometimes it's better to acknowledge it and allow it and not necessarily center it. Okay, all that to say, let's jump in. Uh, all right. So here's things that therapists themselves do. I love articles like this when they're having a bad day. I kind of like this first one. Uh, this therapist said, I take a shower and essentially for me, that's hitting the reset button. I like that. Um, the same person said that, uh, lying on the couch, withdrawing from the world tends to make them feel worse. Taking a shower tends to make them feel better and revitalizes them. I like that. So again, it's not to imply that if we have to go from bad to better uh but sometimes there are things we need to do or we want to give ourselves you know the best shot we can to maybe shave down some of the sharp edges on that and there is something really uh healing about water I don't know about y'all but whenever I go to the ocean or I walk near the ocean or even I guess even think about the ocean it's very soothing for me but um baths and showers I think you can also do things within that that can make it more healing or more resetting. I I always remind individuals to check in on their senses. I say this a lot about sex as well and dates and romance. um, What are you seeing? What are you smelling? What are you hearing? What are you feeling? And we can attend to all of that. So for the shower example, you had a really hard day and you just want to check out for a little bit you, use showering maybe as a coping mechanism to kind of just close the door and step away from life for a little bit, or you just want it, you know, to kind of transition into your day in a different way, play music as well. Maybe dim the lights, burn some candles, uh, some smells as well. I got into that. There was a scented candle I loved and I'm not a big bath taker, but I realized that there was something healing for me in just sitting and being held by the water and f- you can go many different directions with this, but that holding experience for some could be very reminiscent of early childhood. And for others, it's just about the the weightlessness of floating. But I realized when I dimmed the lights and added candles and scented candles and played music, it was like a more profound and transformative experience because it went deeper, it invoked more. And it was also all-encompassing. I love things like that. So I'm always... It, not, not to say that simplicity isn't beautiful because I, I definitely am working more towards minimalism and simplicity, but I do think there's something, I like the word enveloping and fully immersive in hitting all the different sensations. And so, yes, I am that person where when I'm even watching a movie, I am paying attention to background sounds and the lighting and what I'm wearing. And even that's just part of pleasure activism, which I want to keep talking about. Pleasure activism being, How can we make every moment of our day in our lives more pleasurable, not, not better. It's not this optimization mindset. We're not trying to make things better or, um, always go for a hundred percent. It's actually distinct from that. It's, it's just saying that I'm worthy of joy. I'm worthy of pleasure. I'm worthy of feeling good. And whatever we're doing, how can we make it more pleasurable, not better, but more pleasurable, hedonistic, like go that route with it. Um, For instance, right now when I'm doing therapy, um, I'm doing it on, on, you know, telemedicine. And so only waist up is visible. So I'm wearing, you know, the kind of clothing that I like to wear for me to feel you know professional in the ways I want up top, but underneath I'm wearing very comfortable sweatpants, and and I am focusing more on how the clothing I'm wearing is feeling and how the chairs I'm sitting in are feeling for me and how the temperature of the room and the lighting and and that's part of pleasure activism is saying you know I I am worth doing whatever I need to do or whatever changes I need to make to feel better in my environment, and think about that. Um, you can go through all the different domains in your life. Are, are there any things you can do to change to make them more pleasurable? I I, I love that, amping things up. <clears throat> I want our lives to be centered in that. So, think about the senses, though. I mean, that, that's such a it's such a necessary tool for mental health because checking in on your senses is a way to be more embodied and present in the moment if you're at a concert, what am I seeing, what am I smelling, what am I hearing? It's a way to like anchor yourself in that experience and really encode it more in your brain to just be present. But then it's also good for just general life quality, checking in on how all these different factors are impacting you and how you can make them more pleasurable. but it's also a way we can work on grounding ourselves when maybe we're struggling with some dissociation is what am I feeling under my feet? What am I rubbing my hands against? How many different objects out in the world that I recognize of a certain color can I count? Always coming back to the senses, because again, remember, senses and our emotions and our, our body, our somatics, are really powerful guides and communicators. Uh, we have to take care of that and check in on that. So the shower thing can just really, really have a lot of powerful impact. So, all of that, <clears throat> who knew over a shower, food's that way as well, how can you amp up this food i'm a I'm a big fan of what they call semi homemade <clears throat> where these days I actually everything's completely homemade, but there's a time when I was more semi homemade because I wasn't a fan of cooking, and it was about starting with something that's already made, and how can you build up from there, make it you know bulk it up with more flavors and awesome stuff. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the whole food piece. Okay. So what we are talking about is things that therapists themselves do when they're having a rough day. Some of these are really important takeaways. Again, some of them are also just rooted in pleasure activism, right? Okay. Another thing is tell someone how they're feeling. Sounds really basic. Oh, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about it. Things to do when you're having a rough day as per therapists themselves. Mm, we'll get some gems that way. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back listening to "Love Line" with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back, and we're talking about things to do when you're having a rough day. And this is from therapists themselves. So I expect good stuff, y'all. I love when I get interviewed for articles like this. I think sometimes my responses are too intellectualized. Uh, I don't say things like take a shower. I usually give them pages of stuff. Okay, uh, so therapists themselves, the first one was, though, take a shower. I, 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 There's so much in that. Take a bath, take a shower. We kind of talk through that. Tell someone how you're feeling. So... Some people don't understand that. They'll say, "Well, what's the point of that?" And they're so. I mean, I could get so academic on this as to why standing before another person, um, creating a safe container, um, being held, you know, energetically with their eyes and their presence, why that's healing. But without getting into all of that, know that know that it is. Uh, think back to childhood. And remember, a lot of the things that we do or need as children, we never outgrow. We have shamed a lot of that, pathologized it. And we have this idea that as an adult, you should be on your own, completely independent, separated out from. Not only can that not literally happen, that's not mentally healthy, and that's not even necessary. But as children, think about it. When kids are young, what is one of the things they do when they're feeling anything? They're excited about that um, you know, crappy macaroni necklace god bless it that they made for you or they had a rough day or they're excited about something they always want to present it they want to they want it to be seen they want to show you they want to connect that powerful need to have things mirrored back to us is so is so relevant for our entire lives we see ourselves through the eyes of others our our, ourselves are reflected back right we have relational esteem not self-esteem we only know who we are because the world's telling us in a a cumulative way what our worth is now that's both good and bad it's good if you are you know white cis hetero upper class catholic and all the different privileges but if not you move through the world often having media law environment community all sorts of different systems maybe reflecting back that you don't have a lot of worth because you know we live in a white supremacist culture, or transphobic and homophobic, or you know, transphobic and homophobic culture, and you yourself are, you know, gender creative or sexually creative. So all those things matter, but I don't want to get into that tonight. Just talking about the fact that mirroring is so necessary for our, you know, nervous system health, our, our neurological health, and it's something we don't ever outgrow. And working with sex and relationships, I see the wounding that happens when we don't have those parts of ourselves reflected back, and. Our gender is reflected back to us, but in a way that might not be honest with who we are and our sexuality is never reflected back to us. Now there's a lot of reasons why that's healthy in our youth and adolescence to not have ourselves eroticized like that, but we do need it reflected back just in that there's nothing wrong with sexuality or the sexuality we have. And so the whole point of this is what do the therapists do when they're having a rough day? And this therapist said, I share my feelings with someone and I want people to work on more of that. We need more transparency in our culture, more intimacy. And that's built when we share what makes us anxious because we're really dropping into those deeper parts of ourselves. That's the model of intimacy. This is gonna be really hard to say. It might even be hard to hear, but I care about being known or I care about our relationship. And so we make that disclosure. That's intimacy. Intimacy is generally not built at least not longer-term in relationships of any kind if we're only sharing things that make us feel safe because then we're staying kind of on the, the superficial uh, top level. So sharing with how you feel helps. So this therapist said, I share how I'm feeling, what's causing me to feel that way, a friend and a loved one. Um, instead of me carrying around the weight and feeling it alone, I externalize it and I share it with someone else and it takes some of that weight off. I think there's something really beautiful in that about, again, like I said, being mirrored, being seen as we are. But more importantly, having our more wounded, broken parts seen. It's also, there's so many different theories around it. There's also this thing called borrowed functioning, which is a beautiful gift of relationships where we can lean on someone to provide things we can't provide for ourselves. And sometimes what we can't provide for ourselves is a sense of, I'm okay, or I'm going to be okay, or just even general soothing. Uh, Self-regulation is awesome. We have to be able to move through the world, chilling ourselves out. But also, co-regulation is beautiful, and I want that to be available. We need to practice more of that, leaning on someone else. I was listening to. Where did I see this? <clears throat> I read a lot. I don't listen to anything. I'm not. I'm not a podcast guy. I'm really not. I wanna. I wanna read things and hold them and go back to them and I highlight and I take notes. But I was reading an article somewhere and. This gentleman was talking about the power of co-regulation, even when it's not someone you know. And he was saying that he was at a new airport traveling, and he saw a woman off his airplane as well, very disoriented, like he was in this very complicated airport. And he said it was amazing how complicated this airport was, and he's an avid traveler. And he said the woman was panicking, and he could see that. And he said he did not know her, had not met her. And he went over and he said, hi, you know, uh, you were on my flight. It looks like you're looking for your baggage. I am as well. Do you want to try to find it together? And he said that co-regulation where he was like, I'm here with you. I can help you. He said it immediately soothed her. He could immediately see the softening on her face of like, okay. And he said, it was a really beautiful journey that they went on. And it actually was more complex than they thought. (laughs) And it was very difficult, but being in it together soothed both of them. And he was really glad that he was able to provide that. And I think that that's a beautiful thing that even with strangers people we don't know we can be something we can be a resource why why not do more of that like what what a beautiful thing to be able to do um And I'm going to challenge myself to do more of that. Like, how can I help other people? How can I be an anchor when they're struggling and needing someone? Like, that's collective responsibility. Um, All right, y'all. We're going to take a break, slide into those DMs, and then come back and keep talking about tips and ways that therapists themselves deal with bad days. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, today's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris, I am a mask presenting female. That means masculine presenting female. I tend to only date feminine, feminine presenting females. But I have a really hard time expressing my feelings in fear that I'm not supposed to have them. Ah, the tyranny of masculinity and maleness, yes. Like I almost have to act like I look. Here we go, if that makes sense. Sure does. If I feel sensitive about something, it's blown off because of how I look and I should just get over everything is how I feel. I feel like if I'm not this way, I won't be liked or that I'll be judged for having strong emotions. I'm just not really sure how to show my emotions and not feel like I shouldn't have them. See, this is why I am adamant about getting away from talking about things as male behavior, female behavior, male emotions, female emotions, because of what you just read, or because of what I just read, because of this false binary. Because anytime um, we have an identity or an identity is placed upon us whether it's gender sexual orientation even career or singledom versus relationship or parenthood there's expectations that are automatically applied oh well you're a mom so you should oh you're a father or a doctor or a husband so you should dot 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 oh you're a man and this is what this writer is saying i'm not allowed to be my total full self everyone has the same emotions everyone it doesn't matter your gender male men are not harder and more aggressive they are socialized that way they have the capacity to be soft and gentle as well but that is often shamed and socialized out of them and then we have people like this that again can't be their total full self it's a lack of mental health that's imposed on us anytime you're expecting someone to be a man or a woman or you're holding yourself accountable to your gender you are doing something psychically violent that is violence the whole idea that based on our gender presentation, we should only be able to live and feel from a small range of emotions. And unfortunately, we've decided that for those that are masculine or male, that they're going to be the harsher, harder ones. Intimacy is built with softer, vulnerable, transparent emotions and expressions. So when someone is not allowed to ever step into that, that blocks the intimacy that they can form or build with someone else but also think about how shallow that feels for them to participate in the world or a relationship. And that's what we're really trying to battle. And so wide macro level intervention on that would be to just let people feel their full range of emotions and starting from childhood, raising children out of their maleness or femaleness because those are socially constructed labels with with made up expectations and limits imposed in them. And then as adults, we can just feel what we feel and do what we do and wear what we wear. There are so many regulations placed upon us in our lives because of all these false constructs. Like I said, whether you're a parent, whether you're single, whether you're a male, whether you're a professional, none of those things are honest or fair. So I'd say to this individual, sit down and share that with your partner. Hey, I often feel as though because of my masculinity that It isn't safe for me to be my full self. And moving forward, I want you to help support me in sharing more vulnerable emotions. I wanna make sure you don't shame them. I wanna make sure you support them because that's you caring for me. Because anything short of that is emotional and psychological abuse and violence. And so you're going to need support of the people around you, but you're also going to need to have your own willingness to step into that and to practice that and to give some of these others in your life the opportunity to be supportive. So you have to identify when you're feeling those vulnerable emotions and you have to lead with them. You have to vocalize them. You have to practice. It's sad to say, but you have to practice being a full human being because that's been stolen from you. We have so much work to do around this still. That's why I'm thankful when I see stores making combined gendered toys where it's not a girl section or boy's section, it's just toys. Play with and get what you feel comfortable with. It it doesn't matter. We, we, what we should be trying to do is just be good people. We shouldn't be trying to be a good man or a good father, be good people. I'm always challenging my patients when they apply those labels because we do damage to someone else when we say to them, well, you're a man or you're a father, so you should. That's, that's dehumanizing, so let's be better than that. All right, we gotta take a little break and we'll be back. Of course, we'll be sliding back into those DMs later in the show. So if you got a DM for us, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. And um yeah, while you're there, scroll down, click on the show. Bam, binge, post, share, re-listen. Check out some of the other shows. But uh we'll be back. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about... Tips and tricks that therapists themselves use when they're having a bad day. I love this. Uh, a lot we can learn in this. And as you're realizing and learning, it's the simple things. And I love that self care, soothing, mental health. It's the simple things. We don't need to buy these expensive apps or tools or tricks. It's the simple, simple, simple things. The first one we were talking about is just taking a shower. And I was talking about using all the different senses and bringing that into it. It's that simple. It's time away. It's time apart from it's time for self. Then we were talking about just speaking to someone else this one i love this therapist said when they're having a bad day the last thing they need is more negativity so they intentionally stay away from social media and the news which can be both negative and sensationalized it's easy to overwhelm ourselves i love that again it's paying attention to what we're paying attention to and the impact it's having on us we don't do enough of that how do i feel before during and after I bring that up often to assess anything, a date, (laughs) a job, uh, a friend, uh, the impact social media or, or whatever else has on our psyche. How do I feel as I'm approaching it or, or engaging it? How do I feel when that person calls? How do I feel when I'm with that person? Or how do I feel when I'm on my social media? And then how do I feel afterwards? The answer should all be neutral to positive. We shouldn't be engaging in anything in our lives where, moving towards it or knowing that it's coming makes us feel bad. We feel bad while with it. And then we feel bad afterwards having just spent time with it. That's not living a mental healthy life, but also we're, we're we're focusing more on pleasure, pleasure activism. How can I make all the different elements of my life better or feel better? And there's always an answer, even if it's just as simple as putting on more comfortable pants for your work day or I don't know drinking more water during your day or bringing a plant and putting it in a stressful area of your house or whatever it is just what are these other little ways but social media is a huge one nine times out of ten i'm going to bet that it's going to have a negative impact before it has a positive impact because you're going to see people doing things you're not doing or you want to do or it's going to sadly direct your attention at your body or your attractiveness or your single status all these things that are, are, are there and they're real, but we don't necessarily in that moment or even at all need to be directed towards that. We don't have then control over our mood. I talk about that with even phone calls or emails coming in. Just because someone sent you an email, texted you or called you, doesn't mean you have to welcome them into your life or your psyche in that moment. It's okay to reach out when you're ready. Um, I have clients where there's <clears throat> certain people in their lives where When they text or leave a voicemail or send an email they take days before they even read it because they realize i'm not in a good place to bring that in or i don't want to spend time with them psychologically and even though they're not physically here, psychologically I'm spending time with them if I read what they sent me. And some people never read it at all because they block them. And I want us to feel empowered to do that. Just because someone can reach you doesn't mean you need to let them get to you. You can set that boundary and read that that text message when you're ready or not even at all. It's a very empowered position. Try it sometime. Just because we have phones doesn't mean we need to be readily accessible. I'm going on and on all the time about how I'm turning my phone off throughout the day. I leave it in a drawer. I'm not taking it with me when I'm out in the world. I want to just listen to my music and see people. So remember that just because people can reach us doesn't mean we give them the access to that. I don't want to be reachable on the fly. I have my, I have a life I'm living and it's very complex and there's a lot to it. And if I'm having a great day, there might be certain things I don't want brought in that can change that. So pay attention to that. Social media is forced access to your mood by whatever you're looking at. We don't always know what we're going to stumble upon or how it's going to make us feel. So really take that seriously you know, that kind of stuff matters. Um, social media is going to be a big one, but then it can also work for you depending on what you follow. So I don't want to knock it completely. Uh, someone else said, this is kind of vague. Again, we're talking about things that therapists say they themselves do when they're having rough days. This person said they practice self-care. Well, that's kind of literally everything we're talking about. Um, they said, for instance, they'll take a, a workout class. They'll watch a movie, go out with a friend, maybe just do nothing. Let's talk about the, uh, working out. I don't, you know, move your body. Sometimes it is what we need when we're having a rough day or dealing with a difficult mood. Um, We just need to move our bodies. Uh, Other times it's really less about the movement, more about just putting ourselves in a different environment. We might have been home all day or work all day and we're feeling bad. Go window shopping. Go sit in a park. Go sit outside a coffee shop. Sometimes we just need to be in a different environment and let things distract us. Or, Or just maybe be around others while not being with them. And that can happen when we go see art, or we go to a movie, or we go window shopping, or sit in a park, or whatever it is we're we're not with, but we're around. And that can be very healing. It can also be very distracting in a positive way. Um, And sometimes we just need to move our bodies going for a walk. (laughs) Uh, So think about that. That can, be, that can be a really beautiful way to work with something very difficult, kind of work it out, work it through. Um, and like I said, always paying attention to the senses. Maybe you play certain joyful music while window shopping or sitting in the park. Or maybe you bring something to read that's really going to bring you into a certain mind state, whatever state it is you're looking to be in. I often have books with me and music with me when I'm out in the world uh, to kind of access both. So think about that um all right we'll take a little break and we'll come back we'll keep talking about tips from therapists themselves, uh, when they are having a difficult day, because if we don't have the tools, well then how's anybody else going to have them tools? Uh, and then of course we'll be closing out later with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics you want covered, whatever it is, let us know. Um, and we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes, scroll down, look for the show and click on it. There they are. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we're talking about things that therapists themselves do. When they're having a rough day, ways that they get through the day themselves. um, These have been pretty good so far. Uh, We talked about taking things like showers, things that are immersive, adding sights, sounds, and smells to it. Um, Also talked about sitting down and speaking with someone and kind of processing and sharing with someone else how you feel and what you're struggling with. There's something really Really transformative and healing, and someone else holding that space with you, offering some co regulation. Also, some barred functioning where someone's helping provide some of the missing things you have, which could be regulation or some kind of thoughtfulness or consciousness or perspective. It's important to have that. Also, we talked about social media, looking at it positively or negatively. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we talked about movement. <laughs> Just go, move your body, get out of the house, see some things, smell some things, hear some things. Maybe even bring that with you. Um, and then, uh, oh, this was another, I like this. Someone themselves said that, get outside. Uh, this therapist said, going outside, taking a walk. Such a good impact on my mood. It's a mood booster. The change in scenery can promote, uh, promote a change in mindset. It's true, because it distracts you. Let yourself stumble upon something pleasant, a new thought, a new idea, a new feeling. It doesn't even really matter. It's just about that shift and that change, movement sometimes sitting in the same position in the same place in the same clothes all day long can be very stifling. Um, I was, I talked with that about clients of mine that are in the arts, uh, or anything innovator, innovative or creative is about movement. Even if it's disconnected, you might think, well, if I work in this one area, how does it help me? If I go sit in a park or see art or window shop? Well, because it's Innovation and creativity come from anywhere. Sometimes seeing something the way it's put together can give you a new vision or a new perspective or a new idea. How something's packaged together or just, it's like an expansion and a clearing. I know that's how I work. I come up with my best ideas when I'm just wandering through the world and it's not targeted. You know, if I'm looking for something psychologically inspiring, I don't necessarily always go look in psychology. I go wander around the world and I see it in action or I pull things from what I'm looking at. I know some designers and artists that do that. They'll see colors or structures or shapes that they hadn't considered, but they'll see them in a building or in a pattern or in a window display. There's really something powerful about, like I said, changing our environment, having new inspirations around us. So welcome that, allow that. Um, someone also said, again, these are things therapists, they, they themselves do when they're having a rough day. Someone said, find something that will stop the catastrophizing. Um, that's really all they said. So we're going to skip over that one. Oh, I like this one. Take your dog for a walk. <laughs> I guess that's because you're in a new environment, getting outside, seeing people moving your body. Uh, this this therapist said, uh, walking the dog, it's a chore. I do it almost every day. But when I've had a bad day, definitely make sure I do it. How do you not? Wait, How do you just pass, skip a day? Do you have someone else that walks your dog? Uh, pets, this person says, are very therapeutic. Getting outside refreshes and energizes me. Uh, I get to get a chore done. I distract myself from work and I'm able to shift gears. And my dog loves it. See, it's that pet ownership again. I th- I'm a big fan of that. Just don't Please, if you have a loud, unsocialized dog, don't be bringing them to coffee shops and cafes. No one wants to deal with your dog freaking out, knocking things over, and barking at everything. But nonetheless, it might be great for you to have at home and to take you know take out for a walk. And if you have a calmer dog, maybe you can take them with you to more places than otherwise. Um, pets were something that was really healing for me. I shared about this during you know COVID lockdown. Having my cat was so important as the only life form around me, and I needed that movement. I needed to come home to something. Um, I liked spending time and cuddling and having some touch and something that, that also needs you and cares for you. Um, and so think about that. Pets for many fill in that missing gap of connection and presence and care. And we get reflected back to us worth and value. There's a lot in there, and if you have a pet like a dog, it also gets you out of the house, and you're going to see people, maybe meet people while walking your dog, go to the dog park. So many different ways that pet ownership can bring shift into our lives. It also gets you up and moving because maybe the pet needs to get walked or you need to go get the you know pet some more food. Just make sure that your lifestyle can always – uh, financially afford a pet. They do have illnesses and they can be expensive with food and all the other things. Uh, but also make sure your schedule can allow for you to spend time with the pet. Please don't get a pet and then have the poor thing spending its entire day alone at home and maybe even locked up in a crate. That's not kind like that, that don't do that. (laughs) So check in on that. Can someone else spend time with the pet? Can the pet go to work with you? Can, can you afford to have someone come spend time and walk the dog? Like really do think about those things. Um, this was great. These again are things that therapists, they themselves say they do when they're having a rough day. I'd love this one, had not really thought of it. This one said, look through old texts that make me smile. I do screenshot some texts to keep them um, in a very you know, caring way when they're very kind and supportive because there's days where you need to be reminded who you are and others show us who we are. And that's why it's really important to be around people that reflect back we have worth and value. We can never not care what others think about us. That's not possible. And in order to do that, you'd have to really shut down a lot of empathy and care. So we do want to be around those that can, you know, show we have worth this one. This therapist, though, saying more said, I have a photo album on my cell phone of screenshots that make me feel good. When I get an email from a patient or a coworker or a text from a friend that makes me feel particularly good about myself, I make a screenshot, save it to my album. Having a bad day? I scroll through. Bam. Raises my mood. I love that. I love that. I have my own version of that. I got to get better about doing that. But I, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. And then finally, someone said, I meditate and I pray. Um, they said, as therapists, we go through a lot of pain. We carry it home as well. I need to have a routine to unload it. When you walk alongside people that are maybe battling cancer, contemplating taking their lives, suffering through trauma, fighting in wars. Oof, I've been through it all. You really benefit from turning to a higher power. Beautifully said. And I think that that's accurate for all of us in some ways, you know? Um, <clears throat> All right, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back. DMs, you know the drill. They're always open. Got a question for us? Bam, drop them in there. DMs on our Loveline at G page. Topic you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, let us know. And uh, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the name of the show, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re listen. Lots of good gems, good gems, and tips and tricks over there. Uh, we'll be back, though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. Be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Whew. Gaslighting. We just talked about this bad boy a couple couple weeks ago. I it's interesting. I was saying this a couple weeks ago when I brought up gaslighting then about how every couple every couple years there's a few psychological terms that pop psychology has brought into um, general use, but they're often misused and misunderstood. And gaslighting is one of those. I wanted to just take a moment to talk about the difference between gaslighting and disagreements. I feel like we often conflate, which means to just collapse under the same heading, very different concepts. And the reason why it matters is because we weaponize them. We use them to really block intimacy and relationship and to kind of shame and attack people. I actually had someone do that with me. I Here's a great example. I had plans, casual plans with someone um, during COVID to do something on a weekend and that was when I was feeling more confident about COVID numbers and infections. And I think I just got my vaccine and things shifted during the week. And when the weekend arrived, I did not, I did not feel as safe and I didn't need a reason for my safety, my sense of safety to shift and socializing, but it did. And when I expressed that, the person got enraged and said I was gaslighting them. And I was, I was like befuddled. I was like, how what? I might've disappointed you, I might've frustrated you, I might've let you down. Uh, maybe even there's a disagreement here, although I don't know how he can disagree about me expressing not feeling safe and and feeling as though I wanna socialize right now. But nonetheless, I was being told I was gaslighting them. And I thought, what a, what a severe misuse of that term. And what it's also doing is making this person a victim. I'm now a perpetrator because I'm gaslighting them and they're a victim. And actually what's happening is I'm just setting a boundary. I've changed my mind, my safety, sense of safety has shifted. So I'm changing my mind. I'm setting a boundary and and we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to renegotiate any contract or any commitment at any time. If it's no longer in service of our mental health, we're allowed to leave marriages. If it's become toxic or abusive, or it's not working for us, we're, we're allowed to leave jobs. We're allowed to you know, say to a friend, I know I, I told you I would take you to the airport on Saturday, but my my cat has died or has become very sick and I need to attend to that. Please get an Uber, or find someone else. Like life life occurs. We're allowed to say to someone, I am not able to attend your wedding. I can't afford to take the time off, buy a suit and fly to your destination. But none of those things are gaslighting. Maybe they're frustrating, disappointing. Maybe you think it's not a great reason, but we need, to, we need to go to what, we need to really see it as it is so we can really process what happened. If instead of saying you've gaslighted me, which again is not what that word means, and we'll talk about that I guess in a second, and you just said, wow, I'm really disappointed to hear that you can't do that. Well, you're, you're talking about disappointment. That lets the other person know how to speak to you and how to also fix what might have happened. So be very thoughtful about the word you're using. Gaslighting is when you are trying to manipulate someone. So let's just start with that use. Me telling someone I don't feel safe socializing because of COVID is not me manipulating anyone. What's the manipulation? What is it I'm trying to get out of that? It's a boundary. Gaslighting is not only when you manipulate, but it's the attempt to manipulate by getting someone to question their reality. Basically saying that's not what it is or that's not what happened. I was not attempting to do that either. I was not attempting to deny that I had said I was going to meet them over the weekend. I was owning that. I was saying, yeah, I know we made plans, but my, my sense of safety around that has changed. I can't meet you anymore. There was no manipulation, nor was I trying to get them to question their reality. They were questioning it correctly. They saw correctly. I had said I could, now I'm saying I can't. So again, I might be frustrating them. I might be disappointing them. I might be upsetting them. But I'm not manipulating them. I'm not victimizing them by changing my mind or needing to set a boundary. And that's that's a really important distinction because we tend to do that. I'm being victimized by this person. No, you're not. I'm disappointing you. But it also shows the other person's health. That person, and this is a true story, that person showed me and based on other things as well, that they weren't healthy enough to have in my life. And so we don't have a friendship anymore. Because based on other things, and that being a final final assessment, I was realizing they're not, they they take everything as a victim. And they're not healthy enough to, for me to be able to go to vulnerably and share what I'm thinking or what I'm needing or what I'm feeling. They 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 feel victimized and they turn me into a perpetrator by saying I'm gaslighting them. So think about that. Think about people in your life and how maybe they weaponize these pop psychological terms, poorly used, as a way to not really deal with what they're feeling, because that's what it really was about, them not being honest, them not being honest with how they're feeling, them not feeling safe, tapping into how they're feeling and saying, I'm sad, or I've been lonely, I wanted to see you, or I'm disappointed. They were they were avoiding intimacy and vulnerability. And if anything, them saying I'm gaslighting them is gaslighting me, because now they're manipulating me, and they're telling me my reality isn't true. That, in fact, you're not, I'm not disappointing them, I'm gaslighting them, right? See how the use of that is actually that? It's wacky. It's wild. And I'm seeing a lot of people still doing that with narcissism, but we'll talk about that another time. So remember gaslighting is about presenting opinions as facts, uh, where disagreement, you know, requires you being open to learning about someone's differing thoughts or change. Uh, gaslighting shuts down the conversation and blames the other person, right? I explained that where disagreements, you take time to process, they just said, I'm really bummed out. I'm sorry to hear that. I could have said more. Yeah, I get it. I wanted to see you as well. However, I don't feel safe. The numbers are rising, blah, blah, blah. And then we could have come up with an alternative plan. Like let's FaceTime instead, or let's maybe go somewhere different that's more outdoors. There's more of a solution in that. All right, so we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to slide into those DMs. So stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our love energy page. Any questions you got for us? Drop them in there. Let us know. Topics you want covered, things you want to drop deeper into, questions, whatever you're worrying about. Someone else might be too. You're helping them out as you help yourself out. And uh, we are channelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down, click on Loveline, and they're all there. You can binge, post, share, we listen. But tonight's DM says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline, I got into a conversation with my friend the other day. I'd really like your opinion on it as more celebrities start to show their true colors. Oh, I know where this is coming from. Like domestic violence cases, et cetera, et cetera. How important is it that we get the full story? For example, the rapper Tyga was just booked for domestic violence after his ex-girlfriend posted pictures. We don't know the full story, but why are we so keen to need the full story when it comes to celebrities? Does that make sense? Well, I, I do appreciate the critical thought that's implied in here. Yeah, we want to read We want to understand what it is we're feeling or talking about. I think part of the problem with culture right now is people don't read the articles or the full story or they don't watch the movie or they don't listen to the conversation and they just pop off a quick response based on headlines. Um, I saw that happening a lot with the Dave Chappelle situation. Um, I still haven't seen it. That's why I'm not weighing in on it. I'm talking about it very distally as a topic, moving it away from him. But I think a lot of people will go hard on certain individuals, not really looking at the situation and maybe thereby missing out on having a very different opinion. A lot of people aren't critical thinkers. So I'm not weighing in on Tyga. I have no idea. I'm not really even familiar with who that is. I know that he's a musician, but I know nothing more. Um, But I think it is important that we're aware of what we're supporting. I want to start there. I think it is important that we're aware of who we're giving our money to. And that's why companies like the um, Salvation Army, which are historically anti-LGBTQIA, I don't donate to them. Also, I am opposed to supporting companies like Chick-fil-A, which donate large sums of money to Trump and also anti-LGBTQIA organizations. I won't let my money be used to support violence. For every time we purchase something, we are making a political decision. We just don't always know it. So, I do think it's important to look at where our money's going, to research companies and the CEOs and what they're doing with the money that we're giving them. They're building, you know, violence sometimes on our backs with our purchasing. So, purchase power is important. And I do think it's important to also hold networks accountable to the content that they're putting out there. If you don't like something, you shouldn't be supporting them. And I think celebrities are given a platform that they shouldn't be given. I don't think actors and musicians should be famous. We should enjoy their work and that should be that. Um, I find the news around a lot of celebrities just to be gossip and I'm not interested in that. And that's why I lean out of celebrity news. That to me is not news. It's gossip. But I do think there's things we can learn sometimes from it. So I try to make them learning moments. So yeah, know the full story. That's fair. That's fairness. That's justice is not making assumptions. Um, I wanna know what it is I'm speaking on. So I do definitely try to do my research. Um, So yeah, I think it would be very strange and, and quite violent and like I said, unjust to make decisions about someone, a celebrity, without understanding what it is that happened. So yeah, if you don't have the full story, stay quiet or ask questions. Or talk about it topically. Hey, I don't know much about the tiger situation, but I do understand domestic violence, and here are my thoughts on domestic violence. That's what I tend to do. I try to not diagnose someone that is not a patient of mine from afar. I try to make it a learning lesson and kind of pull ourselves up and over it. So yeah, I think, that that's, I think that's very important for social justice. So please keep asking questions and doing the uh, research before you jump into something. Um, otherwise what kind of world are we living in where we're just kind of shooting things down, canceling people and essentially harming people that might themselves be victims. Other things tend to be a little more black and white. I don't know. I'm still tracking a thousand different things that are happening with social media. A lot more is able to be brought forward to a lot more people. But the problem with that is the more people you reach, the more differing opinions you're going to get and the more kinds of individuals that maybe aren't so thoughtful. People get triggered very easily just with these keywords. Strong opinions come forward without looking at the context. Psychologically speaking, we need to understand the context always. That helps us understand someone's behavior. So that's my thoughts on that. Questions, drop them in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Love to hear from you. Topics, questions. Like I said, we are channelq.com. Check out past episodes. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, y'all, focus on tons of self-care as much rest as possible. Tons of joy and pleasure. We are not trying to burn ourselves out and work harder. We're trying to work less contentment. That's our goal. That's happiness, y'all. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow dropping more gems on y'all. So we'll see you then. As always, thanks for hanging out and you all enjoy the rest of your night.